So how are we feeling on a Sunday morning? Were you completely surprised by the events from yesterday afternoon in Manhattan, Kansas? An incomprehensible defeat and performance by West Virginia offensively and defensively? Or were your worst fears confirmed? And was a day like that always hiding around the corner and you were pretty sure one day it was going to jump out and spook you? I am Mike Casaza from Earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, here to help you navigate through what the heck happened yesterday. This is Country Roads Confidential. Welcome in. So what the heck did happen? How did West Virginia have so much on the line and play like it had so little to prove? Take a look at what could have happened this morning. West Virginia could be 24 hours away from being a top 10 team. Could be in the top five in the net. Could have matched last season's win total. 15 and 21 a year ago. And to get 15 wins in 17 games this year would have been something else. It would have been a validation, a vindication for this turnaround. Not only does it not happen, but it does not happen at a place where things really started to go badly last season. West Virginia was not on a good plane a year ago. But there was irrevocable damage done at Bramlage Coliseum in 2019, where West Virginia turned a 21-point loss into a defeat that, for Bob Huggins, was, and it sounds like still is, impossible to stomach. He wanted to win Saturday because he wanted to scrub that memory away. To have a team down like that on the road at any point of any season and lose will stick with you. I think when you try to book in last season and this season, that game last year and this game this year and everything that happened in between, this is something of a late renaissance for Bob Huggins. He's done this before in recent years, installing Press Virginia, going to Sweet 16s, and having a shot really to make a run every year that he had the lineup and the defense and the maturity that those teams have even when those teams are young. This year is something different. He has flipped over his roster. He's gotten back to defensive principles. They don't press, but they're still one of the best defensive teams in the country. And I think that a win Saturday at Kansas State would have probably put the 2018-2019 season on the shelf. And not only that, but on a shelf where you're just not going to reach for it anymore. Way more of the exception to the rule when you look at his career. But we do have a recency bias, and I'm sure that he is motivated still by things that happened last season. It's a way to get to his players, and it's a way to keep people sharp, so they're never quite as dull as they were last year. And it didn't click Saturday. If you read or listen to his post-game comments, he was disappointed, deflated, understood that a great opportunity was gone. Again, to be in the top 10, to be in the top 5, to match your win total, and to really completely do the 180. And he said it's gone. They can still do that. They can still reach a top 10. They can still get in the top five. They're going to eventually win their 15th game. Not quite the same. But he said they weren't ready. He said that they were warned. He said they were reminded of the 21-point turnaround a season ago. And I think he wanted that to get through to the players. And I think he wanted a team that is still, I guess, kind of young, but is still 
past the halfway point of this season. And hard for him to explain what happened. Hard for him to explain why they weren't ready. Hard for him to explain why a team that was 0-4 and desperate could play harder and can play better than a team that was 14-2 and and on the cusp of so many good things. And certainly Kansas State played better, played harder from the very beginning, and played a game that, frankly, it doesn't play very often. But so too to West Virginia. It's a little chicken and the egg there. Was Kansas State good because West Virginia was bad? Was West Virginia bad because Kansas State was good? It's never just one thing. However, Bob Huggins will blame his team. He'll blame seniors who didn't have a good game. He'll blame young players who just didn't bring with them on the road what they always have at home and for some reason can't seem to discern why there is a difference. Why wouldn't you play as hard on the road as you do at home? And I think he's probably pretty mad at his guards again. (laughs) I don't know what to call this game. I don't think it's any reason to freak out and panic. It's a road game and a team played way above the expected level. And similarly, West Virginia played below the expected level. Or did it? Lots of talk this week about, is this a product of good offense? Excuse me, good defense or bad offense? Could be one or the other. But certainly, you saw West Virginia play bad. On offense for stretches, you saw just 27 points in the starting lineup, and you saw misses when they needed hits in key spots. You saw a team that could not lean in its defense and fell behind by so much that had to work extra hard on offense. And when a team isn't that good on offense to begin with and has to go to another level to get back and to play not only at a furious pace to get back into the game, but to play at a furious pace to be better than it normally is, you're going to run out of gas, and that's what happened to West Virginia late in that second half. Got close within six points, gave up a 12-3 run, and never really got back into it. Kind of an all-around bad performance. I want to say it's part reality and part aberration, though. Kansas State is not a great offensive team, and Kansas State played a great offensive game. Was aggressive, attacked West Virginia's ball screens, and played big in spots. When West Virginia got close, Kansas State found some scores and got to the foul line. Aberration. West Virginia's points per game, three-point defense, and field goal percentage defense. Far, far lower for the season than what you saw on Saturday. West Virginia didn't rotate, didn't push people to the help, just didn't recover individually or collectively as it has the season. And again, that's not the norm. So aberration. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. But also reality. This is a team 
that again had a hard time keeping both of its big guys on the floor. And when Culver and Sheway were together, it wasn't pretty. And this is a team that's ultimately going to go as far as the guards will take it. And the guard play was not good on Saturday. Use your own adjective there. I'm going to say not good. But when you look at the starting guards, Jordan McCabe, one for four in 10 minutes and had three turnovers. Jermaine Haley, two for four in 16 minutes, had three turnovers. Miles McBride, four for 10, got to 11 points with some late scores, eight straight games and double figures. But that's your point guard, right? Two assists, no turnovers. You'd think he'd play well, play more. I don't think anybody would say he had a terrific game. And Brandon Apper, who'd been peaking and playing better, one for seven, 15 minutes, three points. And I'll say just one turnover because what we've been talking and writing about is how Napper has done better. He did have just one turnover. It was brutal, and it came at a really bad spot, and it led to an easy basket the other way. And then you get to the twos, and what do they do? Um, Taz Sherman, I think it's fair to question what's going on and, and, and where he's going to get this season. How far can he go? I don't know. Five minutes today, 0 for 1, hit the side of the backboard on a 3, and had two turnovers in five minutes. Um Looked like he was not fit for that game at time, just the brief amount of time he was in there. Uh, Sean McNeil played 16 minutes, two for six, off in three-point range, six points, and kind of had some moments on defense that did not help West Virginia um, when the lead was getting away and when they were trying to stick around and come back into that game. Chase Harler, very divisive, <laughs> four for nine, 11 points. Um, he had a shot. And McNeil had a shot, and Napper had a shot uh, at threes when they got close in the second half. And how often do we say this? You, you should not be surprised when one of those guys lines up a shot and it's a, you've got to make that shot, and they make it. West Virginia does not have that dead eye and does not have that one person who's going to get hot and lead you in unless you want to say it's McBride. And I'll grant you that. He can score in bunches. He can score in a flurry. And he gets hot from the perimeter. But when we're talking about guys who can join him in the backcourt, who can be that accomplice. One thing that was curious to me when they got behind was that they did get back into it. Um, and the guard play wasn't the explanation. A lot of Osaboyan driving. And the contributions from other people. Hardler did hit a three. But again, you think about making up a 24-point deficit and you're going to have guys get hot. And I just wonder sometimes about West Virginia, who is going to be that person who does get hot. And that's going to be something that you think about throughout the push of this season. What happens when they get down? It's going to happen again. How do they rally? Today, they did not lean their front court, and they tried to play with their guards, and their guards got them close. But the guards also contributed to that deficit in the first half, no question. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about probably for the remainder of this season. I do think this is kind of a wake-up call for people who were ready to, you know, plan that national championship parade or who saw this as a Final Four contender because it beat TCU and Texas Tech. Uh, Kansas State matches up much better with West Virginia than either of those teams. It has size, and it did kind of intimidate or at least affect West Virginia in the post at times. Um, TCU and Texas Tech just don't have that component to their offense or their defense, and West Virginia was able to tower over those two teams and play its brand of basketball which worked. But above all else, it was the things that didn't work that really got West Virginia today. Uh, again, starting lineup, not picking it up. 
And I think it's fair to wonder about making changes um, because maybe not Monday, but let's say they don't win Monday. You got some time and you got a non-conference game and maybe there's an opening there to think about it or to talk about it or maybe even do it. But if Matthews and Haley are thinking they continue to play this way, do you start with three guards and bring Matthews in? Um, do you start someone else and bring Haley in? Do you start two guards and put Haley at the three? How do you shake things up? Do you shake things up? Not sure. Again, I don't think one game is a reason to panic, but I don't think this is a one-game thing. I think that the extremes in the direction of Kansas State going up and West Virginia going down kind of obscures the fact that this really isn't an unusual game for West Virginia. It really isn't. Uh, shot 44.6%, 27.3 from three, and 54.5 from the foul line. Scored 68 points. Um, if you had a stack of stat sheets and you were walking over to deliver them to me and you tripped and fell, um, I don't know that I'd be able to pick this one out of a pile. It looks, in some regard, like other games. Now, the performance obviously was different. I get that. But when you step back and look at it, um, it's not a wild deviation from who and what West Virginia is. What was unusual was how the game got away. The fact that they just didn't punch back in that first half at times was surprising. Not having Derek Colbert didn't help that. But the mistakes by the guards, this is a team that has the most turnovers in the Big 12 and was playing the team that has the most steals in the Big 12. So that probably wasn't entirely unexpected. But the guard play obviously was significant, and there wasn't a way out of that. None of Nobody who came in and hugging cycled through everybody Nobody who came in could steady. And when you're seeing your team go down and you come in, you're probably eager to make something happen. And that may be when you see some bad passes pop up. And then at the end of the first half, just a complete disaster. And it was strange because it was just, and I say just nine, with about 90 seconds left in the first half. It ended up being a 17-point game at the halftime. Um, and some crazy things happened. Kansas State had three possessions and scored three times in the final minute. And I was, I was curious why they didn't call a timeout at the end of the first half. Um, loose ball, Emmett Matthews gets it. And I don't know if he was expecting to call that timeout at the end of the half. It was inside 30 seconds. And if you don't call that timeout, you lose it, right? Instead, he has the ball stolen. They go the other way and score. And now there's about 15 seconds left. And you got that possession. You're down 17. Being down 15, being down 14, heck, being down 16 is different. So you have that timeout. If you don't call it, you're losing it. Surprised they didn't call something and get into a play they liked rather than playing like in a loose transition, running into a defense that was going to be scrambling, and then you're kind of calling your own number trying to figure out what to do. It's going to scramble into a ball screen no matter what. Kansas State was ready. Sean McNeil missed like a 24-25 footer. Um, not the shot you want there. And that was kind of indicative of the half. It just got away from West Virginia, and 17 points was too much for them to come back from. Uh, that was their largest deficit of the season before things kind of expanded a little bit in the second half. And man, I don't know, maybe if it wasn't 17 of the half, it doesn't get to 24, and maybe that six-point game is closer. But even when it got to the six-point game, West Virginia couldn't not foul Kansas State. That's not something that West Virginia does a lot. West Virginia is okay, middle of the pack in fouls, but for as aggressive they play on defense and as hard as they rebound, um, if you adjust that, they're probably a pretty good team when it comes to fouls per game. But... Kansas State was hot offensively, making good shots, running good offense, getting good sets, attacking ball screens, reversing the ball more than you ever see against West Virginia, but also got 17 points to the foul line on 25 shots. So West Virginia aided and abetted in its own demise, which, again, 
aberration of reality. Good or bad, I don't know, but West Virginia plays again on Monday night against an athletic team of Texas that doesn't play necessarily very well and hasn't had great experiences at the Coliseum in the past, but does have size, does have athleticism. There's no shortage of talent there. And maybe the Longhorns are the desperate team right now. Perhaps they see a wounded West Virginia that is ripe for the picking. Something to think about on a Sunday. Perhaps there's something better to talk about on a Monday. That's all for this time. I will see you next time for earsports.com. I'm Mike Assassin.